Brian Miller here, host of Go and Make and director of Evangelization and Discipleship for the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And really just a reminder for you this week that Go and Make is for you and for those in your parish who are wanting and trying to evangelize. So if you have a topic you would love for us to cover or thoughts or insights on the show, anything you've heard or, or didn't hear, for that matter, you, you want to hear, shoot us an email at evangelization at archstl.org. We want to make this as practical and as good as possible so you can use it in your daily lives. I know we've heard from folks looking to talk more about family life, folks who want to hear more about how do I evangelize my, my fallen away children or siblings and things like that. And all those things are, are episodes and topics that we're working on coming up for upcoming editions of Go and Make. Also, feel free to go on and rate Go and Make on the App Store and the Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Google, wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating. Leave us a review because it helps other people find the podcast as well. We would love it if you do that. And also go ahead and send it to people in your parish or even contact your bulletin editor uh, to put it in the bulletin. We have resources online if you go to archstl.org evangelization. There are resources to put it in your bulletin and show descriptions and pictures and all those great things to help more people here uh, and equip more people about uh, how to evangelize, how to go and make disciples. Welcome to Go and Make from the Archdiocese of St. Louis, equipping you to live the great commission of Jesus Christ to go and make disciples of all nations. Okay, welcome back to the next edition of the Go and Make podcast. Really excited this week. You know, Lent is just about a week away. We are rapidly approaching Lent. And I know in my own personal life, if I don't have a game plan for what I'm going to do for Lent, usually it takes a couple of weeks to get going and, and figure out what the heck I'm doing. Uh, in my own life, the last few years, I've had uh, the opposite of, of getting a late start on Lent. I've had the ability to get a head start on Lent because I've done a thing uh, with some guys in my parish called Exodus 90. You may have heard it. It's a, it's a great program uh, geared specifically at men to help them um, with prayer, fasting, and almsgiving to, to withdraw from the world and to really dive deeper into our faith and take the lessons of the Exodus story and figure out how we can uh, become better men for the world we live in, for our, fa- for our families, for our wives, for for our kids. And I've really found uh, it's been really fruitful in my own life. So I'm really excited for today's conversation because we're joined by Jamie Baxter, who is the founder, the creator of Exodus 90. So we're going to hear a little bit about the story of how Exodus 90 came about and really uh, just to dive into like why is Lent an important part of an evangelizer's journey? Why do we need Lent in order to be successful and fruitful evangelists in the world? So Jamie, welcome to the uh, the podcast. We're excited to have you. Hey, Brian, it's such a joy uh, to have this opportunity to be with you. Thank you uh, so very much uh, Yeah, for the invite on yeah, to be on your Go and Make podcast. It's awesome. Absolutely. So yeah, uh, Exodus is a kind of an intense kind of thing. So we don't always start with uh, intensity. Like you didn't, you didn't uh, come out of the womb wanting to do Exodus, right? First, you had to meet, maybe you did, maybe you just, some people are just wired different, you know, maybe that's what it is. <laughs> Um, but first you had to meet Jesus, you had to fall in love with Jesus and, and to be inspired to grow closer to him through, uh, an experience like this. So maybe just start and tell us a little bit of your own faith background. You know, how, how'd you grow up or how'd you meet Jesus or, or when did you make a decision to follow Jesus in your life? Yeah, no, that's such a, a beautiful and the most important question, you know, for us as disciples. Uh, so for me, um, 
my faith journey was really, you know, something that took off, um, you know, in, in high school. And, um, you know, but the foundation of the journey, you know, really was my, my parents. So both of my parents came, were away from the faith and then came back to the faith through the Curcio movement, which is, you know, part of the charismatic renewal. And um, it's huge. Yeah, it's, it's just profound, isn't it? I mean, here in yeah. St. Louis, we have Axe retreats. Some folks may or may not know yeah. that Axe is a fruit or a Curcio model retreat or some more different Kairos retreats and stuff like that. Really, really a lot of fruit out of that movement. So much fruit. Yeah. And my, I remember, I, I remember basically life before Christ and life after Christ in the life of my parents. So, you know, they went on these retreats, both of them did. And then they came back, they were different. And all of a sudden there's pictures of Jesus on the wall. And I did just like feel like, wow, things are kind of different around here, you know. And I'm not saying things were perfect. I mean, every every family has its dynamics. That's how it is. That's what it means to be a, a person in the fallen world uh, we live in. But uh, I mean, it, it made a big difference, you know, in our family and in our interactions and our relationships. Um, you know, in a particular way, you know, my dad really struck me, you know, and how different in some sense he was. Um, after the conversion, I'd wake up go downstairs, eat ice cream, watch TV, like I did almost every day. And, but he was in this chair praying every day, you know, praying the, the gospel reading, you know, and really coming into this relationship, his eyes would be closed, you know, he's clearly talking to, to, to the Lord. And so this just like really from a young age seared onto my imagination, like, hey, you know, a man begins his day with God. Like that's what my dad does. And, um, I say this because I would end up um, going to seminary and, you know, all these other things. And I can talk a little bit more about this. But years later, I was like 20, 20 years old or so. My my father revealed to me something about his own journey that just like struck me so much. And, you know, it was that like the grace of his conversion was to realize with the Lord that it was not too late to pass on the faith to my sons. So it's just my brother and I. My brother's name is Doyle. He's an awesome guy. And both of us, uh, well, we work together now um, with Exodus, but, um, you know, the faith is, you know, the, the living principle of our lives, you know, and our relationship with Jesus is, is that. And, um, you know, so years later to receive this treasure from my dad, you know, an articulated treasure too. He actually took it. We were literally on a hike. He takes us up a mountain, you know, reads uh, the psalm about climbing the mountain of the Lord. Oh, man, that's cool. And he's just like, hey, I want to tell you something that I've never told you guys before. It was just like, wow. A mountaintop I mean, just, experience, right? It yeah. truly so a mountaintop. So are so defining yeah. for our faith. And I think a lot of yeah. people's mountaintop experiences are at conferences or hearing a very professional or polished talk, you know. I think it's really cool for you that your mountaintop moment was a very personal, deeply intimate moment with your dad. And that's not what yeah. we think of. Oftentimes we think of the mountaintop and coming down from the mountain. Yeah, absolutely the case. And and, and it's really a gift that I don't take for granted at all. And, um, you know, to be honest, I mean, we'll get into it, but this is so much of the inspiration for the work now with Exodus 90 and all the work we do with men. Uh, around the year and it's uh, very much like hey if we can influence men towards a, a living relationship hopefully they can you know pre- you know model that in the family and, and and pass on the faith you know to the future i mean that's what it's about so um but anyway i because of this you know i would i would end up just by a lot of grace um you know and, and many other people that entered my life you know throughout middle school and high school just come to develop a real friendship with the lord and I just would admit that 
I was a little little odd, you know, from a young age. I, I was obsessed with the game of golf, and I was very interested, you know, in the contemplative life. And so, uh, you know, I like those two things Lots were like the things I cared about. Golf course to to clear your yeah. mind, think about things, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, and I loved, I loved. I mean, as a kid, I, I so I worked uh, from a young age. Uh, that was always really important to to, to my parents. And um, but I worked as a cart kid. And fortunately for me, the golf course I worked at. You know, it's more of a social club. And so the golf was like kind of a side thing. So people were done golfing at like 8 p.m. At this time in high school for me, uh, Indiana went on to daylight savings time. So like we had a whole other hour of light that we had never had growing up anyway. And so literally I could play golf till, you know, 930, 10 o'clock, you know, after after work almost every day. And uh, beautiful time for a silence time for encounters and and all that. So anyway, long story short, you know, I just, those were the things I was passionate about. And, you know, I just, just, just by God's grace, you know, and, and by the, by the examples and mentors in my life, my dad and, and everything just, yeah, developed a real friendship and companionship with the Lord where I, I could place everything before him and feel like I would encounter him and hear him and listen to him and change my mind about things as they needed, you know, all that kind of good stuff, you know, any relationship. And, um, you know, from that, that, that place, I kind of just was like, after high school, I was like, you know, what, what do I do to give everything back to God? It's like, ah, I go to the seminary, you know, and I was there for, um, six years, actually pretty significant time in formation. And, uh, eventually would discern, you know, that God had really called me out into marriage and family and into, into lay life and, um, into the yeah tall and challenging task of sharing the gospel and in our time and in, in our secular age. And, um, anyway, and that, that, those would be basically the early days of Exodus. So, yeah, I've heard you tell this story once or twice before, but really Exodus was born, the modern version of Exodus and the movement that you guys have going now was really born out of that time in, in seminary formation and realizing like the really, the real gift that that is. And I've heard a lot of, obviously we have a lot of great and holy priests in the world who've gone through seminary and, and been a recipient of that formation and been challenged to grow. And then you guys, you have guys who leave seminary who go start families and, and invest that time and energy into their wife and kids. And, but you also, you came out and you kind of said, you know, it's, it's almost like selfish that I keep this to myself. Like the world needs what we're learning in the seminary, not just academically, not just in the philosophy, but really in like the human and spiritual formation that goes on. You saw it as a real need need for the rest of the world, right? That's exactly it. And my mom, even when I was in seminary, she would learn about you know the things I was studying and uh, the experiences we were having on mission trips and uh, evangelization trips, and she you know she she would just often remark, "Why why is it the case that there aren't these experiences for all Catholic men?" And I just found that to be really interesting. And and I think she was probably piggybacking a little bit on the the Mormon missionary model. Like that's just an expectation, you know, in their culture that you go out on mission for a couple years, you know, before you enter into profession. And um, so I was just really struck by her observation. And then when I discerned out of seminary, to be honest with you, I was just struck by the void, you know, and it's like I can go to mass and be known by nobody and be accountable to nobody. And it's just like, I just... I could just feel this tension from all of these years of deep relationship, being known, being vulnerable, you know, obviously a life of prayer. Um, and to me, I was just like, man, like this can, is this really what the experience is, you know? 
And then, you know, this is ultimately, you know, what what I had hoped Exodus could become was to just offer, um, you know, yeah, a spiritual and human formation um, for every man, you know, wherever the Lord has called him and, um, you know, really trying to to, to serve him, you know, in, 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 in his vocation, you know, so, um, that, that is very yeah, much I love, kind of the, I love some of the inspiration. You're, you're coming out of seminary and you see a problem and, and you try to address it. And I think that, you know, a lot of times we have young folks who come out of college, you know, and they're, they're in a faith environment where everything is tailored to them. They have the Newman center that has a 9 PM mass and it's filled with their friends and they have all these great things going on or they're in a Bible study with focus or, or whatever it might be. They have these experiences that are tailored towards them and they come out and all of a sudden it's just hard. Like, like, cause nothing is, is tailored towards them and parish life is very different. And, and maybe you don't see the vigor and the energy and the excitement that you saw for, with people who are just running towards the Lord. And, and so oftentimes the, the answer can be like to withdraw from that and maybe just try to recreate what I had, um, in, in like a, a para parish, like create it's an, another parish that feels like, a Newman Center or go like just, I'm going to join a parish in 10 years when I get older. Um, but what you really did with Exodus is, is you found a way to take it and, and integrate it into every parish. I mean, I know so many parishes here in St. Louis that are, that are taking that formation and it's becoming, it's becoming normal. We have a parish uh, down the road, Mary Queen of Peace. They have over a hundred guys doing Exodus 90 this year. It's unbelievable. I mean, if I, <laughs> It blows my mind because it's not an easy ask. So actually, this is probably a great moment. We've talked about Exodus and the idea of Exodus and Exodus 90. So maybe can you give us like the overview? What is Exodus? What have these hundred guys from Mary Queen of Peace Parish down the road, what have they signed up for? Sorry, the, the, all these balloons on my screen just blew up. Yeah, uh, there's these new Apple features I have no control over. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, yeah, you know, so... Listen, I think it's important to start with why, you know, and, and Simon Sinek and all the others always talk about like, well, why are we doing any of this stuff? And, you know, I think one, what I, what I would just say is at the foundation, Exodus is about a growth in freedom. And the reason why freedom is so important is because it's the foundation of love, you know, and when we are, I mean, so to put it negatively, which I think is helpful, it's like when we're unfree it's, it's really hard to give of ourselves fully. It's hard to lay down our lives for others. You know, and for the vast majority of us, that's, um, you know, being the husbands that we're called to be, being the fathers that we're called to be, you know, and our idols, our pharaohs, they can get in the way of intimacy, um, certainly with, with, our, with others, but, but also with, with the Lord, you know, and, and that, that most important relationship. Um, so everything at Exodus is oriented to a, to a growth in personal freedom, um, so that we can we can love more fully. I mean, that's that's really what it's about. So sometimes people will, you know, you you can when you think about Exodus, you you think about cold showers and all these disciplines and stuff. And sometimes like people will relate to me like expecting me to be this very intense hardcore person. You know, it's just like and like I'm like Jocko Dude. Willing type. You know, yeah, gonna yell at you and get in no. your face. Yeah. No, and that's a, it's a wonderful observation, right? Like from Jocko, it's like you know, discipline equals freedom. That's just not the case, actually, in a Catholic vision. You know, freedom is is received as grace, as grace. Yeah. and it's the Lord, you know, who delivers us. You know, and um, every day of Exodus, you know, we just drill this into the guys, um, and uh, it's it's something that that hopefully really shapes your own own transformation because the Lord's power is is infinite. 
Um, and we are very dependent. Yeah, I, you know, which I is saw an observation part. on on Twitter because Twitter.com, you know, X, whatever it is. Such a, such a lovely place sometimes. But no, someone was kind of opining and they said, oh, you know, people want to tell you that you can will your own your own freedom and, and you can receive like if you just do all these things, like a Pelagian view of, of spirituality, you know, do a holy hour and go to mass and go to confession and, and fast often, all these things, and, and that you're going to be good. And, and he said, well, I mean, no, but how do you create room in your life for grace to work? Well, by doing those things, by having a regular. Yeah. So it's, there is like a weird tension and juxtaposition sometimes. That it's like we can't force it. We're not doing it on our own will, but the discipline in our lives is creating the space and the openness for God to act, not that we're forcing him to act in our lives. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I would, I would also just say it's like if we're going to act like we have no part to play right. either, well, then we wind ourselves in another yeah, heresy what's, altogether. What's humanity you know? what's free will. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, ultimately I think this is like, a, you know, the Catholic vision, which is, you know, inspired by grace, powered by grace, you know, but the Lord respects the integrity of his creation. He respects our humanity and our decisions. Um, even stubbornly sometimes, you know, I mean, it's just, it's stunning actually what he allows to unfold in reality. And it's actually out of a deep love, you know, for us, um, even the, some of the greatest sadnesses in our lives. So all that's to say, you know, that's really kind of how we, we think about kind of the disciplines in general. But, you know, Exodus 90 in particular is this 90 day journey, um, you know, with the book of Exodus as really the the background or the image, you know, that inspires the path. Um, but yeah, for, for growth in prayer, asceticism and fraternity. So, you know, if I had to like, hey, what's the most important part of this thing? It's like, yeah, it's obviously those daily conversations with the Lord. We encourage guys to to make an hour of prayer each day. And, you know, for some guys with within the hustle of life, that might not be feasible. And so it's like, okay, great. Just can we, can we spend 20 minutes of, of a real dialogue with God, you know? And so, um, the daily reflections that we craft every year for guys, um, are really meant to start that conversation. Um, but it's really all about just building, building the capacity and the confidence in first that God is alive and he speaks, he moves, he inspires, he changes, he transforms us. Um, you know, but we have to really learn, you know, how to respond and, and to do that, you know, and, and um, I don't know, just as an aside, Brian, it's like for me, so many times I'll, I'll like approach my spiritual director with some issue, frenetic, whatever. And he's like, well, hey, have you talked to, talked to Jesus about this? And I'm like, ah, yeah. What a pesky question. Yeah. What am I thinking? I know. You know, you know, and so, so, so anyway, that, that, that very much kind of inspires the, the, the journey into the contemplative life you know, that, that we try to foster. Well, and, and um, you're really, what you're yeah. doing is you're drawing on just really basic Catholic principles. So I know this is a program for men. We've talked about men a lot too. I, you know, if this is like any other Catholic thing, our listenership is probably more female than it is male. Cause you know, 60% of attendees at mass and whatever are, uh, are female, but there's a lot of, uh, similar lessons because really the spirituality of Exodus is the spirituality of the church around, those penitential seasons in Lent. So you used a big fancy word there that uh, I'm going to ask you to define. So you said asceticism. So what is asceticism and how is that, again, like as we prepare for Lent, the, the, really a foundation in a lot of ways of what we can enter into in Lent? Yeah, acts of self-denial is the definition of asceticism. And, 
you know, even in the early days, the question was really worth asking, like, do we even talk about asceticism? You know, do we even try to define and use the word? It's hard to say, and it's, right, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's even harder to define it, you know, for most people today. And, but the truth is when you look at the catechism and then you just look at the lives of the saints, which are the patterns of Christ, you know, um, people who are uniquely responding to his invitations in their own way, in their own time, you see it everywhere. And um, it's impossible to find a saint where you don't also find uh, voluntary suffering, you know, in order to participate um, in the saving mission of, of Jesus on the cross. So, um, and heck, I mean, to fill up what's lacking, as scandalous as it always is to even say things like that, you know, with St. Paul. So, you know, that, 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 that's what it is. And, you know, I, th I like to think, um, you know, our time, you know, the time we live in is in one, in so many ways, extraordinary. I mean, it's, it's such a gift to be alive today. So one of the, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Brian, I'm an optimist. I refuse to give in to <laughs> all the too. negativity Die hard and cynicism. Optimist. Die hard. And so it's just like everyone who's down on the time, I'm just like, I just don't know why that's helpful. Um, it's just like, this is our time. You know, it's, it's kind of like, how yeah. I think about Father everything. Father John Ricardo, right? For such a time as this, you were born, you know? Yeah, love that. Yeah, uh, that's that's a more eloquent way of saying what I was trying to say. And, I stole it from him, you know, so I think, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know, but I think it's like, it's also important to step back and realize like, yeah, you know, things are in general faster, easier, more comfortable. Um, you know, and, and corporations today are incentivized a lot in order to make that possible for us. And they've been extremely successful. And so why I bring this up within a conversation around asceticism is, well, what, what lies before us in our daily life is an opportunity, you know, ultimately to, to say no to um, some of the things that can hold us back in order to say yes to the most important things, you know, when God asks them, you know, from us. Um, you know, and I don't look at you know, as Exodus in general, but asceticism in particular, it's not so much about, I don't even look at it as just building good habits. I don't, I don't really subscribe in the, in, to, to that kind of, kind of interpretation necessarily around Exodus. Uh, it's more like, hey, you know, it's like we need to abstain even from good things for periods of time in order to be um, as free as we can be, you know, and we're never perfectly free. You know, I'm not perfectly free. I got all kinds of, you know, things I continually work through. Um, but in order to, to grow in freedom, you know, for greater love, you know, and so that's what asceticism well, and that's is. That's a really, about. you said something that's really important and something we talk about. I've done a lot of youth ministry in my life and I always try and, and prep the kids for Lent with this. It's like we fast from things that are good. Like, like we don't give up sin for Lent because we give up sin because it's sin. Now, maybe, maybe Lent is a time where we can double our efforts to do that and, and really have some of their foundations and strengths to do that. But, but actually fasting is we take things that are good and we offer them up for the Lord saying that he's better and he's more important. We're trying to create space in there. Yeah. You know, and our Lord, you know, doesn't ask us to do something he didn't do himself, you know, and he, I mean, in, in the scriptures, I mean, he makes it overwhelmingly clear, you know, when the bridegroom's taken away, then we fast, you know, and that's the time we're in, you know, the, the bridegroom's, you know, not here, you know, in, 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 in a way. And, you know, we, we fast in this time, you know, and, and obviously before he begins his ministry, you know, that's, that's the way he chooses to begin, you know, is alone in silence and in, in temptation, fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, you know, and um, that is the, the sacred time, you know, we remember every year during Lent. 
Then the, the third pillar of Exodus of the 90 days anyway is fraternity. So you go through it in community. And obviously, you know, right now in the church, there's really a, a reclaiming of that methodology, right? Of a, of a accompaniment of discipleship, of this idea of incarnational evangelization, that Jesus came and became one of us and to be in relationship with us. And we have to model that and be in relationship with others. And I, as I've done Exodus, um, Lord knows I need more prayer in my life and some fasting and all the disciplines have been great. But gosh, I just, I love the fraternity component of it so much from the guys I've gotten to do with it over the years. It's so great. Yeah. It's special. You know, it really is. You know, men are, are really, are, I mean, interesting. I get, women are interesting yeah, well, too. That's one word for I think about men. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think about, obviously, men's stuff all the time. And, and one of the things that's just deeply true is that, like, if you were to come up to a guy and be like, hey, let's be friends, you know, it, it's like weird. It's like, well, I mean, I don't know. What, what does that mean? I Actually, now that you said that, I don't want to be your friend, you know, you know. You know, but what, yeah, you know, but what's so interesting about men is like with a shared goal and maybe even specifically things that are challenging and, and require sacrifice, bonds form organically. And so as an example from my life, and I'm sure you have many, Brian, it's like my, the guys I play golf with competitively in high school, close friends to this day. It's like, why? It's like, I mean, we, we tried we succeeded in times. We failed at times. It was hard. We were really focused on the craft, you know, all those things. Um, we found ourselves in, in a brotherhood, you know, and that same is true, I think, with Exodus. And it's just uh, you're chasing a, a shared goal, you know, which is becoming a better man, a better husband, a better father, um, better disciple. And uh, there are sacrifices to make and you find yourself in, in, in fellowship, you know, is, is, you know, I think a lot of times, you know, the experience. And so, yeah, I mean, to your point, it's uh, Exodus is not a, not a self-help thing or not just a, you know, a secular challenge to do something hard. It's, it's no, it's, it's really fundamentally communal, um, you know, and, and in some ways, my favorite part of the journey is just watching grace unfold in another man's life um, in different ways that are so unique to him. You know, and uh, that inspires me so much to respond as as I can, you know, to what's unfolding in my own. Yeah, that um, you know the the thing I've heard many times is that women bond face to face and men bond side by side. So it is that common purpose, that common mission. But I think it's it's unique too, and that what Exodus does is it gives them the thing that they're running after. It gives them the big goal and the hard challenges where we are side by side. But then it challenges you to to do a little bit of face to face, which is maybe not something guys are always naturally great at. It, it like sharing their struggles and sharing their weaknesses and doing the you know the weekly check in with your your larger group and you know maybe that's six or eight guys and then the daily anchor, the one on one check to say hey how's it going, and uh, those those again those are really graced moments. I remember our fir- the first time we did Exodus at my parish, we had a group of like eight guys or something. And I got paired up with a guy in my parish. We kind of did random pairings, you know, out of the group. And I got paired up with a guy who was, a, you know, he was a philosophy undergrad. He did, you know, went to bu- worked in business for a long time. And we're doing a daily check-in. We're going back and forth. Um, and and he, and he texts me one day. And he's like, hey, man, these readings are really interesting and really good. He goes, but I'm not sure I believe in the devil, you know. 
And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting point. So what you had was, and this guy's, I think, you know, it'd be fair to say he's been like on again, off again agnostic or like really trying to figure out what his faith meant to him. And Exodus was a great chance at like some of that self-denial and and self-improvement was really attractive. And the idea of like a very deeply thoughtful guy, but he always kind of wrestled with the faith. So here you have, um, you know, the director of evangelization for the diocese gets paired up with the guy who's not sure what he believes about God. Like, what a great and beautiful Let's go. opportunity. What a dynamic. It was really providential. And it just opened up this beautiful conversation between the two of us. I, I sent him some stuff from the catechism, you know, and we talked back and forth. And um, we did all the Exodus stuff, and I said, hey, man, we should read the, the screw tape letters. Like, if you, like, you want to, like, see how the devil works in, in daily life, like, just a real example of it, let's do it. And, you know, I, it's not, it wasn't my work that, like, brought him deeper into the church necessarily. It was, it was the opportunity that God created for him. And, you know, he's, this guy's a daily mass regularly, and he's taking his faith seriously. Because it was just a great opportunity to take some of the things we take for granted sometimes. Yeah. And, and have a common goal, but then also have the excuse to have the conversations and create yeah. a, an opportunity for vulnerability, which, I, you know, we yeah. need, I think, in our church, if we're going to grow, this, this is men and this is women, too, to be really vulnerable about the things that matter. To say, like, we're not just on cruise control. I'm not just going through life. And when you've got, you know, young kids and you're in the tunnel, you know, and uh, you're you're running back and forth and life's crazy and you're not sleeping and you don't have a social life because you can't stay out late because you have kids or, you know, all the activities and things that go on, we have a hard time, like, being real and vulnerable about where we're challenged to grow, where we need to grow individually and as a church. So I think just creating the spaces for that level of vulnerability, which is really the only way to grow vulnerability and really accountability that says, okay, I'm going to be honest here. I need someone to push me and challenge me and then also lift me up. Like sometimes, sometimes that Christian walk is, is, is someone, uh, you know, like saying, come along with me, I'm up here. And sometimes getting behind people and just pushing them forward and, and walking with them that way too. And, and I think um, for me in my own spirituality, in my own life, like Exodus has been a great gift for that. That is so powerful. I mean, you're just on the you're hitting the nail on the head for me. I mean, vulnerability is everything. This year, uh, for Exodus 90 and for our Lent spiritual exercise as well, Father Boniface Hicks, who's a Benedictine monk, is our spiritual guide. So he's offering kind of uh, weekly conversations about accompaniment and how to be a great anchor, how to have a healthy and inspiring fraternity experience. But in his book uh, called Personal Prayer, which if I can just say this, uh, I don't know if he'll like me saying this, but it's the best book I've ever read on prayer. Wow. And I've read a ton of books that's, on prayer. That's saying something, um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it is unbelievably good. And But one of the things he talks about is how vulnerability is the meeting place of God and man. And it's, it's, it's like the... It's, it's like the matrix of, um, of, of growth and transformation. And this is just my, my favorite thing about Exodus fraternities. And, and you may not know that this if you've never been through the experience before or if you just kind of heard about it or whatever. But it's like, it's just, it's not a Bible study. It's really not. And it's not about so much like what you're reading. And it's not so much about, you know, what you're learning. It's about you. It's about your story. It's about how the Lord is is working for you. And it's about where where are you really, you know? And that's what's so 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 beautiful, I think, about the fraternity experience. It's most of the time men are stuck into this in this place where they gotta act like they have it all together. They gotta act like they've got it figured out. And I mean, listen, if we're honest with ourselves at all, it's like we really don't. 
And, you know, it's just nice to have a place to be, be forthright about that, you know, and then to learn like, wow, you know, Bob, who's 20 years older than me, actually has a lot of wisdom to share with me about this experience I'm going through or, you know, whatever it might be. And anyway, I just I really love that about the experience. And I think the other thing, too, um, for you specifically in evangelization, Brian, is so 85 percent of our guys are Catholic. And that number, even as we grow, continues to go down. Mm. And I'm excited about yeah, that's that. that's cool. Like, that's, that's on purpose. And, um, you know, we've done a, you know, so, so the fraternities are not placed for, like, you know, the Catholic Navy SEALs or all, the, the guys that have it all figured out. It's like, no, it's not about that. Like, it's really about inviting the man that the Lord places on your heart. And fraternities can be this wonderful place of dialogue, sometimes conversion, you know, for sure. Um, and... Uh, you know, for example, like I, this year in my parish, we uh, we got a, we got a wonderful group. But you know, there's a I'll, I won't mention his name, but there's a guy who's he's a concrete cutter, and so he's a he's just really blue collar guy, hard worker. You know, it's it's incredible when he talks about his work and his schedule and stuff. I'm just like, wow, like this is super intense. But he shows up to the first meeting. He's like, you know, I'm really not sure about this faith thing. And she's like, all right, this is going to be great, you know. And uh, this past week, so it's been about a month now, he's like, you know, I'm a bad Catholic. Um, you know, I know I'm a bad Catholic, he says. And, but he's like, you know, I think I'm ready to start trying, you know. And so he's like, he's about to make a confession for the first time in forever, you know, basically. And it's just it's just incredible, right? I mean, just to watch grace unfold for him in this way. And, and uh, anyway, it, it, it's just kind of that... That, that evangelical dimension around Exodus that I just think is super well, exciting. Well, you know, and sometimes we talk about evangelization in the church and people say, oh, we don't need another program. We don't need another program. We have enough programs. Don't tell me what to do. But but the reality is, is that oftentimes programs are the excuse to have the conversation. The programs are the excuse to invite someone to, to invite them into. And, and if the program is ordered properly, so yeah, we have a lot of bad programs. We a lot of have a programs that we don't know how to use as well as we could. So what we need is programs that are built on, on really just this type of Catholic spirituality that's, that, that has evangelization at, at its heart and soul. And if we can use the programs to be the launch pad for the relationships, like programs don't change lives, relationships change lives, but, but programs are oftentimes the vehicle for those relationships. So if we can like totally lean into the opportunity that like an Exodus provides or, or whatever it might be, like let's do it. Let's go. Let's not just be, you know, leery of the next big thing. It's you know, no one program is gonna solve your problems, but it's being filled with people who know how to use them properly. Yeah, no, that's so, so well said, Brian. To be honest with you, I maybe have a contrarian take on this because, you know, I guess I run programs. Uh, but when, when I hear, I, I really do think this is like the internal echo chamber of people who work in the church. It's like this line, we don't need programs. So like historically, when you step back, it's like, well, actually the saints came up with some remarkable yeah. programs. One in particular changed my life forever called the spiritual exercises yeah, a, of St. Ignatius. We don't need more programs. Which, which 500 <laughs> years later, I'm still being blessed by, you know? And so I don't know. I, I think the other thing too, is like, it's important to like step outside ourselves and realize that like, People in need of being impacted don't care how it happens, you know? And so it's just, I've never heard that line from someone in an Exodus fraternity that's not practicing the faith. I just think that's kind of a line we tell ourselves and is worth, I think, a little more critical. Yeah, analysis. so we don't want to take the time to use them properly or sort through what's worth doing and what's not. We don't want to analyze what's on our path of discipleship in a parish. So 
I, I think there's a lot of good there and a lot of opportunity. So uh, one of the things I love about Exodus is that I think it, it just it forms us into the people we need to be for the world. And I think that ties in really well with what your theme is for your upcoming Lent program. So uh, if you could talk about that, I think it's, was it Be the Renewal? Is that right? Yeah. So so That's lead right. us through what Exodus is doing for, uh, you know, the 90 days is pretty intense prayer, you know, cold showers, no alcohol, um, you know, fasting, no meat on Wednesdays and Fridays, and like all these intense disciplines, which I'm doing uh, some of them, you know, modify as needed occasionally, right, to make it work for your life. Yeah. Um, although I'd say the first time, if you ever do Exodus, you should do a hundred percent of it and it's really good for you. But, and this is like year four and it's like, all right, well, I, Lent is good. Yeah. Uh, I, I need Lent during Lent. No. So the community of the fraternity has been great. It's been great. But tell us what, what Exodus is doing Lent that might have a broader appeal for some folks if they're not, uh, up for the full 90 or, or, or miss the start date as it were. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lent is a time of conversion fundamentally metanoia, you know, and it, it's, as disciples, you know, the Lord, we can pattern our lives on the Lord more fully. That journey never stops. And we can invite him into creases and crevices in our lives, parts of us that maybe don't know God or experience really challenging things. Everything can be touched and influenced by the love of God. You know, and every Lent, you know, we have an opportunity to, uh, in humility, accept and be excited by that opportunity, you know, for greater greater conformity to to our Lord. So, um, yeah, what's, I guess maybe just by, by way of, of observation, it's, you know, Exodus is, yeah, we kind of got started with the 90, you know, that 90-day journey, and that's definitely our, our big moment every year. But um, on our app, just the Exodus 90 app, uh, we actually offer daily men's spiritual and human formation. So doesn't need to, you don't just join us for the 90, you know, and so uh, we're basically running experiences all year long. Uh, and our next one coming up is for Lent. And so you're right, this year, our theme is be the renewal. And, you know, this is something I've really been thinking and praying about. Um, you know, I, I, I talk to guys all the time. And, and a lot of the times I can hear um, just concern about different issues in the culture, you know, even scandals in the church, you know, uh, and I can, you know, I, I've just been feeling like, like just a kind of a despair or concern or, you know, I just, I, that's just a, something I've been just picking up, you know, um, a lot of places, you know, and not just in Exodus channels either, but just, but, but even beyond in our parish and, you know, outside and all my interactions in the world. And when I think about this, to me, every challenge is an opportunity. And like, you know, you mentioned the beautiful quote from Father Ricardo earlier, but I just, I mean, this is the time that we've been entrusted in the perfect providence of our loving Father. And, you know, each of us is, you know, you know, invited to respond to grace, to become the saints that, you know, God needs for the world now. And, uh, and so anyway, I, I just, this land, we're just really focused on, um, you know, if you're concerned, it's like the opportunity is before you. You don't need to wait for anybody to begin your personal, you know, transformation. Um, and that transformation will have ripple effects that alter history. You know, that's how I think about it. So, you know, in all of our work with men, it's like, hey, our desire is to help this man grow in freedom for greater love, you know, and I hope that that means, you know, a better husband. I hope that that means a better father. I hope that means a child's life is kind of like mine was growing up with my dad as a true disciple, completely changed, transformed and changing my 
you know, conception of what it means to be a man. And, um, I mean that, that conversion rippled into my life. That's rippling into my children. And that's the kind of, um, impetus that we want to kind of create in our world is, you know, one of yeah, returning the hearts of fathers to the Lord and the hearts of fathers to the, to their sons, daughters, and, and spouse, you know? And so it's not, not a time to be discouraged. It's not a time to give up, you know, it's a time to get in the game and, you know, become the renewal that we seek. Yeah. Our, uh, we just came with a vision document in the archdiocese. It's called disciples make disciples. And really, you know, uh, we, we talked about this previously on our podcast, but it's not, it's not an evangelization plan. You know, it's not like these are the 14 steps to, to renew the church and to, to make your parish perfect. It's, it's a reminder and an exhortation from Archbishop to say, like, we need you to be the renewal. We need you to be the disciple who can go out and share your faith and, and make a disciple. And I think that as we, um, as we do, like, this podcast and different video projects and workshops, like, you know, my, my line lately is we're trying to create a, a Catholic imagination for evangelization because most people don't even know what's possible. They don't know how they would evangelize. And what we want to have here is we want to have uh, inspiration for folks to go be the renewal. And, and I, so I think that it's, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing because I think that's a great call for the church right now is, you know, the institutional movement is going to be slow. Like I've been at the diocese 13 years you know, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but things tend to move slow or maybe not at, at, at the rate that you see sometimes in these other apostles. And the church always thinks in decades and centuries sometimes. So, um, but what's always changed the church, what's always been the renewal for the church was saints. Saints that rise up in every single generation to be the saints that that generation needs. You know, I was really blessed when I was a missionary. I got to know one of those saints, Michelle Dupong, who is a uh, her cause is being advanced for canonization uh, up in North Dakota. She was a classmate of mine coming into focus, and and uh, I got to see her documentary recently about uh, the way she offered up her suffering for love of the world and for the people that she knew and for the doctors and and just for a zeal for souls. So, I, I think the idea of be the renewal of, of disciples make disciples is we need saints for the modern world, and and saints have to pray. Saints have to have some sort of fasting and almsgiving you know, the, these asceticisms in their lives to go do that. So you guys are really building a great foundation for the church just to go into the world and, and just to be saints and, and to rise up this generation that's going to be the people our culture needs them to be. Yeah, what a wonderful and inspiring story, Brian, that you shared there. It's, it's really moving to me that, you yeah, you would know her. And yeah, it's incredible. But I mean, that's exactly, it's exactly right. I think one, like, permission I would give or you know, again, maybe this is my positivity, but it's like, it's a beautiful thing that the church does move so slowly. I, I mean, actually, yeah. and it's, it makes so much sense actually within the economy of salvation that that would be the case. Um, but that is not a permission, you know, to not respond to the challenges and opportunities that you're faced with in your life, you know? And um, the, the, the cool thing is, listen, I mean, <laughs> At least the bishops I know and I'm in touch with regularly, you know, and the priests too, it's like they love seeing initiative. They love and crave, honestly, and are vocationally affirmed by people taking up the calls that they have, you know, in the world. And um, even in the earliest days of Exodus, I was I was a little like, I mean, I had kind of approach I wanted to take and, um, you know, I, 
I, I, I was like, man, maybe I should like lodge this thing in a diocese. Maybe that'd be a good a good thing. And the the bishop, uh, his name is Bishop Kevin Rhodes. He sat me down. He's like, hey, listen, I really, you know, I, I think this is an important thing. You're gonna move a lot faster if this is not, you know, <laughs> if I'm not too involved in this. So it's like some I got I, I, like yeah, listen some self knowledge. Yeah, he's yeah. like, yeah, he's like, I will bless you. You know, I'll support you any way I can. But go run, you know. And uh, admittedly, for me, from a temperament standpoint, how I've been wired. I mean, I, I love that, you know. So, you know, Exodus is pretty fast paced. Our team works works pretty hard to pull pull off the things that we do. Uh, but yeah, that that's that's our time, and there's this beautiful, I think, uh, complementarity between you know how the institutional church works, um, yeah, and the call that God always you know places in the lives of His disciples to become saints. So one of the things we want to do uh, each week here on the show is to give people practical tips and skills for how to incorporate the concepts we've talked about on the show into their daily lives to help them evangelize, to help them go and make disciples. So, I mean, if you just had like a couple things you could pull out of, of our conversation or out of just maybe Exodus in general and some of the principles you guys like to use, uh, is, is, is what are some practical things we can do maybe this week or, or gearing up for Lent or into Lent uh, to help us um, think about making disciples and being that renewal ourselves? It's a wonderful question. I think the thing that comes to mind immediately is just say no for no one. It's kind of something we talk about. But like like I said earlier, Exodus fraternities, you know, guys, all stages of spiritual life. Some people are there as believers. Others are not. It's just incredible what can happen in that space. And it's like if you're trying to have a perfect experience, like that just doesn't exist. So just give it a run, you know, and like who has the Lord placed on your heart to invite and I don't think that's just an Exodus thing. I think that's a that's a disciple thing. I mean, you know, I, I think one of the things I so appreciate about Monsignor Shea and the University of Mary right now is just situating us within history properly. We're in an apostolic time. And if we try to think like we have thought for 500 years, we're going to be thinking wrongly, okay? It's like we need to be thinking more like the apostles. And those guys strike me as incredibly virile and f- profound, like take profound personal risks to make sure that the message of, of, the, of the Lord, you know, is received, you know, in the hearts of the faithful. And that's the time we're in, you know. And so I, I don't know. I don't mean to make anybody uncomfortable, but it's like if you're not getting into trouble every once in a while, you know, like I, I just don't know if you're doing it right, you know. And if it's like if you're not taking risks you know, if you're not sticking your neck out, if you're not standing for something, I just, I, I, I don't know that, 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 that's really, really right. I mean, I mean, I mean, the apostles by and large were martyred. I mean, our Lord died on a tree and, and it's like, if we think that, you know, we've been invited into a, a comfortable life, I think it's both to misunderstand the gospel and to misunderstand history you know, um, and, and that we're in an apostolic time. So I think my second thing, I guess, would be to encourage people to take risks. You know, it's like, don't be thinking in terms of like, oh, what can go wrong here? Or like, what are the liabilities or whatever? It's just like, we don't have that luxury anymore to think that way, I don't think. And I just think we need to, in our own way, as the Lord invites us with the help of spiritual directors, I'm also really big PS Brian. We haven't talked about this, but I'm huge on therapy. So I go to therapy every two to three weeks to just like really check in on a natural level. Like, how am I doing? What's going on in my life? How are my relationships? What am I struggling with? All that kind of stuff. But it's like, I have that support system in place to help me. 
to then when I feel like God is really pushing on me, it's like, okay, I got to respond as generously as I can. So it's not to like encourage risk without accountability, not that, you know, but it's just like, Hey, with the right support system you need, everyone needs, it's like, take the risk God asks you to take. Yeah, that's beautiful. Well, I mean, I think that's a great, a great point to end on. And just in terms of you know, the Lord's calling you to act and he's calling you to move. So we talk here about like having conviction about, who the Lord is and what he means in your life and then having a little bit of courage to go forth, you know, and that comes from confidence sometimes it comes from practice. And so those are our three C's, right? Conviction, confidence, and courage. And, and if we can practice in safe spaces and, and go side by side in this program or in whatever program it might be to have people we, we know, we're going to be more, more courageous as we go forth to, to live the gospel each and every day. So thank you so much for your uh, time today. It's been a great conversation. I'm looking forward to uh, a great Lent, a strong finish to my 90 days of Exodus and looking into uh, Be the Renewal and what that looks like. If, if folks wanted to find info on Be the Renewal or Exodus, Exodus 90, uh, where would they go? Yeah, absolutely. Just go to go to the App Store, um, search Exodus 90, and there you'll find our, our Lent experience. Um, and you'll have everything you need, you know, to, to jump in, invite a friend, um, and, and, and make the, make the journey with us this Lent. So obviously starts on, on Ash Wednesday, but if you're there in advance, we have a pre-Lenten experience as well to try to help you prepare to have a great Lent. And I'm also excited, you know, this year, uh, we have an Easter experience, uh, that's going to be all about the fruits and gifts of the Holy Spirit and what it means to live as a son of the resurrection. So, um, you know, whatever the time is right, we're here for you, you know, to serve the daily spiritual and human formation needs of men. That's great, man. We yeah. Thanks that, so man. much for sharing. I'm really looking forward to it and, and seeing the fruit it continues to bear in the church. Cause I know it's just been, uh, been really powerful, powerful for me and, and guys I know. And I know that, uh, you guys are doing great work and we're just, just, it's great to see the Lord blessing it. So if you wouldn't mind, will you just, uh, take us out on a prayer? I would love to. Yeah. And thanks so much, Brian, for this. Yeah. Affirmations. I appreciate it. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, Brian and I and everyone come together uh, before you and we, we just thank you for who you've called us to be uh, through our baptism as sons, as daughters, um, in your heavenly light. We just pray uh, in a new way that you'd send your Spirit upon us and inspire us uh, to do the works that we're called to do. Uh, but also to grow deeply in our interior life, our, our relationships with you uh, through prayer. So give us the grace to act, but also just give us profound grace uh, to experience you, to grow in knowledge and love of you uh, in, our, in our prayer. And uh, as we set out uh, this Lent, we just pray for a deeper, a deeper renewal in our, in, our own, in our own journeys. And uh, we pray that we would become the renewal that uh, the world and, and the church so desperately need. We just pray for the love of Christ to uh, yeah, permeate, you know, wherever in our lives, you know, have not been touched by, by his love and his freedom. We just pray for, um, yeah, yeah, just for, for us to become more fully ourselves uh, and more fully turned to you uh, in this moment of conversion at Lent. And so enter the Easter season, uh, just emboldened, inspired, and um, yeah, living as sons and daughters of the resurrection. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, go and make disciples.